You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, listeners. Thanks for coming back to Just Riding Along. Two quick things. One, go over to shopmbr.com. I've changed things up with the store uh, and added some options for the Just Riding Along shirt. There's 10 different colors of that logo shirt. So if you've seen it before, wanted to buy it, and it wasn't there in the tan, or you wanted a different color, go check that out, shopmbr.com. And just a reminder to continue to keep using the Amazon link. You can go to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR to find out more about that. And that's it. So enjoy this episode of Just Riding Along. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Just Riding Along. Now that's a good joke because if someone listens after this is recorded and a new one's posted, then it won't be the latest anymore. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, welcome to the latest episode of Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Uh, tonight's episode is brought to you by Moist Armpits. That is right. Moist Armpits. Speaking um, of, new, of moist armpits, I just saw something on Bike Rumor that's new shit we probably hate. Ooh, we'll talk about it. Um, yeah. So to get things going, just so you know, and just so you can remember, um, if you want a water bottle, they're almost shipping by the time this is posted. Um, not almost shipping. We're getting close. Uh, and I'm really excited about that. And we're working on a couple of other projects that are going to be coming out soon. And I'm really stoked. So, um, yeah, the Mount Mike Radio update and the Matt update are kind of becoming one and the same because I work for Mount Mike Radio now. So um, can't come on and be like, yeah, my boss is being a complete and utter dick. Um, <laughs> I mean, actually, you could. Yeah, it doesn't happen, though. Um, does, does Ben listen to the show? Yeah, we're going to find out. Um, <laughs> and... No, I'm just really, really excited. We got some cool stuff going. Um, and I'm I'm really, like, I'm jazzed. So, um, yeah, that's it. That's all that I have for an opener. Um, yeah, and new stickers. New stickers are literally in the mail. So, hopefully, tomorrow is Monday. Uh, hopefully, the stickers come Monday or Tuesday, and we can get those going and, and start shipping some stuff. So, I'm I'm pretty pumped. But, yeah. Cool. No donations, nothing like that. No donations. That's so sad. It happens. Yeah, I know. It's okay. Um, so I'll probably get some go... more, some more maple syrup at some point. Yeah, whatever. We're low <laughs> over here. The boys are hurting. Footy for, uh, syrup I'm, for I'm the literally boys. like I'm like you know in a what's the gangster movie with the cocaine? Um, Scarface. Uh, yeah, where, where you're like, like face down in a table that's, full of syrup that's me with maple syrup i'm just like dipping my face in it and laughing manically it's wonderful then, though i i eat it all like it's it's all delicious i love maple syrup i feel like this went from being a podcast about bicycles to like a, a like an anonymous like a maple syrup anonymous Andrew is like i put it on everything and i just love it i just i can't quit I you just, i douse my oatmeal with it every single morning and I'm actually starting to notice the difference between maple syrups. Oh boy! Yeah. Um, Jeez. Uh, I guess I can go. Um, I don't really have much riding to talk about. Uh, we'll just launch right in, like finish my what's going on with Matt. Um, I don't really have much riding to talk about because I won't be on the bike a ton for the foreseeable future. Um, <clears throat> I got sick. And I'm going to have to take a ton of medicine and I'm not going to be able to ride my bike very hard. So not going to hear any like epic ride suffer fest updates from me anytime soon. Um, I've ridden my bike about 30 minutes since we recorded last and done some yoga. So that's about it. But I have gotten some other stuff done um, and that's about all there is to talk about. Uh, there's there's not really much to talk about. Um Chris Plusco, no broken bones, and he's on the mend, which is good. Uh, Chris Plusco. So what, and has, I, what happened to Chris? Oh, so sorry. Last time we were talking a lot about the CTR, and he unfortunately had to uh, abandon the event and get a pickup from his wife and kids. And he has uh, arthritis in his wrist, and he had terrible blisters on his feet that he had been nursing pretty much the entire event. And he um, is he's up and moving, but he was like lying in bed, pretty miserable. And 
we've been talking since then. We've talked about everything about how disappointing the new Crest MK3s are to, you know, is he ever going to put suspension on his bike to... Did somebody else fuck up some Crests? Uh, Chris destroyed some, yeah, so... Okay. Yeah, I'm He did it like the week before the race, right? Uh, it was like probably 10 days out he was complaining about it, so... Yeah. And I don't mean complaining like whining, I mean he was just like... Hey, I fucked up a wheel. He was like getting a different rim put on and like changing his setup within like the last week, week and a half. So do you know like what failed on it? Uh, I think just normal crest bullshit, so... Okay. I didn't know if it was like rim strike kind of stuff or the issue I was no. having where all the nips were pulling through. No, he wouldn't. I don't think he would have complained if he just like killed it one. You know, I don't think he killed it. I think it like died. It just fatigued. Yeah. He said it I, only I had 10,000 miles on it. I can talk about <laughs> my, uh, I can talk about the Neo Ultimate a little bit. Uh, sure. Go for it. Oh, oh by the way, isn't, isn't it, uh, isn't it redesigned? Like, I swear I've seen two sure. different pictures that look, like, significantly different from each other. There was one that was all, like, squared off looking, and it breaks right at, like, one of the squares, like, one of the hard corners, and now it's all, like, curvy. Is, or know. I'm thinking about two different hubs. I don't know. While Matt goes, I'll look that up. All right, cool. Um, so, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, we've just been chatting back and forth, and I've extended the invitation for him to come on and be on Mountain Bike Radio whenever he feels ready to chat about it, and he gave me a good thumbs up about that. So I'm pretty, I'm not excited that his race didn't go well, but I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. And he's been saying some positive things, and he's already on the like up and up about it. Like I learned a lot and stuff. So um, it's By just the really way, cool. Like the sixth, the sixth thing on Google when you type in Neo Hubs are about failures but anyway go on <laughs> sick are the first five asking if it was designed by the matrix <laughs> uh mine is um, not the one okay so but sorry we've interrupted you 10 times now it's fine um you've barely made a dent in the times i've interrupted you so it's we're still still definitely in your favor on the interruptions <laughs> just go away go for it big boy okay um but he's, uh, it's really cool to have watched the entire process. Um, we had an episode with him um, a long while back, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes in case somebody missed it or just wanted a refresher. Uh, but to kind of follow along and be a bystander even in this, I feel is a pretty special thing. And I'm, I'm pretty excited that I got to like witness it. Um, and I promise I'm not glad that he failed, but seeing him fail is in a way... I want to see the positive in it that shows that, like, even when you try really hard, you're not guaranteed to succeed, um, which the, should the be. The weather this year was pretty fucking bad. Like, that's why this show is the moist armpit, because Colorado right now is, like, a moist armpit, um, which is unusual for it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's it should be scary when you think about failure. Uh, trying so hard and then having failure and and even um, committing to tackle a project like this where weather can just shut you down. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited and interested to talk with Chris about that and get his opinion on the ITT versus Grand Depart and everything. And um, I'm really looking forward to hearing that stuff. And actually, I'm really jazzed and like more interested than ever to give a go at the CT myself. I want to do it on my terms though. Um, and that'll come out more in the probably a, a 18 months from now. I would say that that plan would start to come to, to be. Um, but yeah, with all that said, um, that's really it. I'm jonesing to get off the hundred millimeter fork. Um, I, I want 120 back on the crave. I know everyone's going to start digging stuff up and telling me how wrong I am, but the full circle quick, summary of it is is uh crests are no longer a viable option for rims which means that you're going to have to spend a little bit more weight in your wheel set or go carbon um which i don't think i'm really prepared to do even though i did get hooked up with the employee purchase or industry deal with light bike uh which i'm sure just perked kenny up so that's a real thing if you're in the bike industry you can submit your paperwork and get industry discounts on light bicycle products so i might try that i just say that because i know that there's a, a good number of shop guys and gals that listen so um yeah there's there's that 
Uh, so you're going to have to spend some weight. You know, you're going to add I, some grams to your wheels. That that sounds interesting enough. I might do that for a new rear wheel for the single speed with yeah. an i9, i9 hub and one of those. Yeah, you could for sure. Um, so that's that's what I'm uh, thinking about doing is adding grams back to my wheels because I'm going to have to. Um, and it looks like that rim, and I think we've talked about it a couple of times now, but that Velocity Blunt SS is what Ben rides, and it strikes a balance between weight and whatnot of like a crest and an, uh, the new arch, and Ben rides them without tearing them up, which is really good because Ben's a big, fast guy. So I think that they're going to hold up to me, no problem. A little sarcasm there. I know they'll hold up to what I'm going to give them. Um, and they're pretty affordable, and they're very readily available. They do come in chrome or high-polished silver, but I don't know. I had a set of their rims in high-polished silver before, and I kind of want more of them, but I don't think it's going to happen. But um, I'm just thinking about getting my Crave a little more Salida um, ready, you could say, and getting a bike that, uh, honestly, I think is going to be, I'm going to start working towards a Colorado trail setup, and I don't know if that bike would be full suspension or hardtail, and I know that there's a lot of push for don't sigh <laughs> I know there's a lot of push for full suspension bike but also i just said earlier i'm going to do things my way when i do colorado trail and I'm i never... think you should try should ride some sections of the colorado trail your way and then decide you definitely are correct and the only way i'm going to do that is i think it's logical to make some moves that makes my crave uh nice and ready because it's it's in pretty it's in pretty sad shape right now. It's going to need a pretty good facelift soon. It's got, it, it needs a lot of work. Um, I have an 11 speed drivetrain that I've never installed for that bike. Um, the rims are in really bad shape and they're old MK two crest and they're Kenny built those in probably 2012. Um, and they're just the bike overall, you know, it wouldn't be bad to to tear it down to the frame and rebuild it and just overhaul it as much as you can overhaul a hardtail and, put some nice stuff on it in the process of doing that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at and what I'm like faced with right now. And I think that I'm going to make the the bike and I'm, I'm going to avoid saying all mountain hardtail. Cause that's not what I want to people to think of at all. I don't want like a big, like shreddy bike, but you know, just get it back at 120 um, and get it with some rims that are, that are going to support the tire well. And, you know, um, last time we were discussing, I think a, a listener asking, you know, are you ever, or I rode with him and he asked me, are you ever not against the clock? And we talked about how bike size doesn't really change what I'm going to do. Um, I do want a bike, you know, I love the Crave. We all know that. And I just love a good, simple hardtail. And it's, it's time to bring that hardtail back into 2017, which is just wider rims, uh, nice fork and, um, just 11 speed. It's 10 speed still. It's, it's had a rough life. <laughs> you just need to sell that 11 speed and go go 12 speed uh, GX Eagle. The only, so I have one holdup with that is, and I know that there's something, there's a couple things I could do to like fix this, but the, if I go 12 speed, I'm not going to be able to run my, um, my winter wheels that I have for that bike. So I have a pair of wheels and studded mountain bike tires for that bike for riding in the winter. Um, more so that like the conditions might be gross and I could just put those on and go ride anything. And if it's frozen, it's frozen. If it's snow slush, whatever. Um, so if I went 12 speed, I wouldn't be able to run those wheels. So oh, well. that's something I'm fighting. If I go 11 speed, I could put a, they're, they're HG free hubs yeah. i could put my shimano cassette that i have on there my shimano 11 speed on there and as we've talked about before it would shift okay well you they also make an 11 speed cassette that's that's it's an 1142 but it's it's a it goes on shimano free hip body right but i wouldn't have that option for eagle right if i went full gx eagle which I don't even know if that stuff's available standalone yet either. So, hmm, lots to think about. It would be pretty good to have that though, because then that would open up other stupid possibilities that I've been considering. So, 
but we're not going to get into all that this episode. It's just going to run You're going to have so many possibilities. You're just not going to do anything, and you're going to bring it to Colorado and just be like, I can't ride this. It's only 10 gears. No, I own the 11-speed stuff. It's just that here in Wisconsin, I don't... I'm running 36, 1136, um, and I don't need to go slower than that, and I definitely do use my 3611 on, with some regularity. Like, it's on the road, but I do use it, and... Um, you know, I've just been, uh, partly stubborn. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to beat around the bush. Of course I'm being stubborn by running the 10 speed stuff, but also like if I rip my derailleur off on a rock next week, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's not gonna, it's not, I mean, well, that's I'd be actually the cool thing about GX one. I'm like, GX one is really fucking good for what it is. I'm like shocked by that stuff. Oh no, no. I'm not saying that that stuff's bad by any means. It's also pretty cheap. Like if you need a GX1 derailleur, what's the retail on one of those? Like 150. Yeah, definitely. I'm just looking at it from the perspective of if I I don't need more. So if I do destroy something right now, it's something that I was phasing out anyways. Sure, sure. I kind of look at it like doing a burnout, like before you go get your tires, your new tires installed. Like <laughs> you know you're getting new tires, and like you might want to do another burnout or two this weekend. So put your new tires on on Monday, not on Friday night. The moral of the story is you should just be an adult and do burnouts whenever you want. <laughs> and then if that if that requires new tires, it requires new tires. Yeah, I get it. But I've never been able to do burnouts. I've never had a vehicle that would do them. So. Uh, I could do car. one tire fire in the dull soul. <laughs> oh, man. I did one tire fire a rental car. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was good. That was really good. It was like... <laughs> There was like smoke. It was serious. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. That was really He's good. He's like, oh, you two are cute. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to go rent a car tomorrow. Yeah, that's what you can do. You could just rent a car and you can spend like $50 and just do donuts all day. And it's way better than going to the bar. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't go to the bar. And you, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my... 16 and a half minute ramble of what's going on and i just wanted to talk about the grave something now i gotta do some math jesus you guys made me have to do math now mm-hmm. so just thinking about wheels i'll just give everybody a little update i got that uh dt swiss xr 361 on the back and i've been raging it pretty hard and so far so good so we'll see how long it lasts but yeah so far i like it asymmetrical um, not super cheap. I think it's like one, one forty retail. So it's a little on the pricier side for an aluminum rim, but it's really nice. And you don't see a lot of asymmetrical, like aftermarket aluminum hoops. So that's really cool to see. And actually a listener, uh, mentioned that to us, like, what was that? Six months ago that that Something rim like that, exists. Yeah. So I didn't even realize it existed and it's brand new, but either and way, just for so our far, listeners out there, what do you mean when you say an asymmetrical rim? Yeah, so the uh, the holes are not drilled in the center of the rim. They're off to one side by like two to five millimeters, and it lets you build a more evenly tensioned wheel since all mountain disc stuff is uh, dished. So it just lets you even spoke tension. That's it. And in my experience, it's only been awesome. Like any asymmetric rim, whether it's carbon, um, my old Knox composite rims were asymmetric, and they built great wheels. Um, so I'm like all for asymmetric wheels these days. They're badass. So anyway, XR361 verdict so far is good. Granted, the verdict on the Crest Mark III was good for like, you know, six months before they broke. So we'll see. But now I kind of want to get some light bikes, try those out. I want to try their asymmetric super cheap. Well, it's not, it's not super cheapy at all. It's actually one of the more pricey rims, but I want to try their new asymmetric cross-country hoop. Maybe I'll build just a front for right now and just have even more fucked up matching. Because right now I've got a crest on the front and an XR361 in the back. So I'll just make it even more fucked up and do a carbon 28-hole front. (laughs) (laughs) So quick note, it looks like we talked about that back in April. Sweet. And I tried to rebuild my fork last night, I think. I was in a little bit of a haze of like NyQuil and being sick. So, Robo tripping. Yeah, so I had that sucker <laughs> apart. There was random metal in there, which is not usually good. I don't know where it came from. I didn't I, like look grams. everywhere. Yeah, I don't know where the fuck it came from. 
But anyway, got it all back together with all new parts and like cycled it a few times and it actually felt pretty good. And then I realized that it was only using the first hundred millimeters of its travel and it's set at 120. So I'm like, that's kind of weird. So I lower the pressure way down and I go hammering on the fork to like try to bottom it out. And then it exploded and did the same thing that it did to me before. So I don't really know what's wrong with it now. So doing a little bit more research, I think it's probably... I can tell you what's wrong. Yeah. You... You just took a cross country bike up into the mountains and started going ham sausage on it. No, I actually and think shit breaks. I think it's my fault. Um, I think in my haste uh, when I got that bike, I had no idea that fork was really any different, other than it was a twenty seven plus capable fork that was boost, so it was just like wider chassis, and I was like, okay, whatever, that's fine. But I didn't realize it's like called the A seven which is some new revision of the Reba stuff. So it's got different seals. It's like a very, very different fork underneath, even though the damper is possibly the same, but maybe even that's not the case. But anyway, long story short, I hopped on quality and it looks like there is a separate spring part number for a 120 for that fork. Cause I just jammed in a 120 Reba air spring that I had from a solo air, like, <laughs> you know, from a 2015 or 16 and I put it in my 17 fork and I've been riding it like that for <laughs> like a year and a half. But apparently, possibly, that's not the right air spring. I don't know how it could like possibly not work. I like I looked at it. Everything seems good. Everything goes in where it's supposed to go and all that shit. But anyway, I'll order the new spring. I'll put them side by side. Maybe I can figure out what's different. Maybe somebody at uh, SRAM who knows a little bit more about those than I do can tell me <laughs> what I fucked up. But uh it could also not be the air spring. It might be, you know, that the A7 is technically different, but it's not really different. You know what I mean? Like they might have a different part number for it, but it might serve the same purpose. It's just like a revision or it could be like something totally different. So we'll see. So I think I might be onto something, but either way, uh, until I get that fixed, I got to figure something out because I don't have a bike. It's kind of a bummer. Can you ride the rental bikes at your shop? I can, but they all kind of suck. To be honest, like they're, I rode a Trek Superfly aluminum and, uh, I'm sorry, not a Superfly, my bad Trek top fuel fuel. aluminum. So hundred mil travel 29er. And that thing was kind of a piece of shit. So (laughs) I know Matt really liked his, but you know, there's a lot of things. This thing was heavy. It was two by 10. It had tubes in it. Well, yeah. I mean that, but it was like. It was, like, bad. Like, the geometry of the bike just felt fucked up to me. It didn't feel... It was neither snappy, like, nor was it confidence-inspiring. So it was, like, the worst of both worlds. So I'm not really sure what they were, what Trek was going for there. I'm just going to mute my microphone and eat uh, Sriracha almond. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not going to, like, pass judgment on that one bike because I'm sure if I ride a nice one... I'm also just very spoiled. Like I've been on a 23 pound bike for a long time. So going to a 30 pound bike with tubes is not ever going to be good. No tubes are never a good thing. Never, never, ever good. Uh, try to think if there's anything else new bike wise. My XTR 988 brakes are fucking awesome. So I went old school on that. I found an old pair at the shop and they are doing great. My guides are sold and out of my life which is fantastic. Uh, what other news? I've been messing around with, uh, see, Jeff got a new dropper seat post. What's the brand on that one? Because his Fox transfer broke twice in a row. Because yeah, with the Fox transfer. He doesn't put up with that shit. No, I don't either. I mean, it's ridiculous. When you pay premium for a current year model thing and it's like mint and then it doesn't work, that's like not cool at all. But apparently on the Fox transfer, if you tighten your seat clamp, to where it holds your seat post in the frame, the dropper doesn't work anymore. Yeah, we've had that problem at the shop. So, like, five newton meters? Can you just, like, drill a hole through all of it and bolt it in place? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess you could, if you have an aluminum frame, you could just, like, tack weld your seat post where you want it and not run a (laughs) clamp at all, and that'd probably work pretty good. You would have the smoothest running dropper in the world. I know, it'd be so good. Uh, Oh, man. But, yeah, if you run more than, like, two newton meters... Uh, which is kind of required to not have your seat post go down inside of your frame, then your dropper seat post will not return. It just yeah, doesn't basically work. like 
all of the uh, pivots and the Yetis that we have are coming in with Fox transfers. So my um, my way of setting them up is I put carbon paste on them, like a pretty liberal amount of carbon paste, and I use a torque wrench to tighten to five Newton meters and then back off like a quarter nice. of a turn after it snaps. Nice. Nice. Uh, but I mean, that, it works, but that's tight enough to hold the seat in place and it is loose enough that the seat post works. But most of the time, if you go to, and this is using several different torque wrenches, I have like two different clicker ones and I have like the park. We have, you know, like a Shimano, normal torque wrench, a park one, like this is using any torque wrench in the shop to do five Newton meters. It's usually too tight for the post to work 100% smoothly. I usually put fiber grip inside of the trapper post and uh, that (laughs) solves all the problems. Yeah. It solves all the dropper problems. So Jeff got the bike yoke brand and so far so good. It's kind of a different design. Uh, it was a pain in the dick to set up like every dropper post is in the world. It's super <laughs> finicky, like getting it's all the cable shit cut right and all that dumb shit and internal routing on droppers is just fucking ridiculous. You have to like, you, you guys know the drill. It's just annoying. Like no matter I, how you, I, I, I build a annoying. fuck ton of bikes with dropper posts. So it's just like, it's, it's just another, it's like setting up a derailleur for me. Like I just, that's, yeah, if setting that's up how often took. I, if setting up derailleur took three hours and you had to like set it up like preliminary and then set it up for real twice, uh, and then in rage, pull the seat post out and throw it across the shop, then yes, it's just like a derailleur. <laughs> hmm. That's something. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'm so. looking at, I'm looking at the bike yoke website right now and they are very, uh, not American. Yeah. So it's German, I think. No. Yeah, it's Oh, sweet. So anyway, so far so good. We'll see. It's only been like a couple weeks. Uh, also going to try out. Um, he is having some issues with his guide brakes like everybody does. So he's going to try some Maguras. So he's going all German. And we'll see how that works. It's more just going through the list of like what brake manufacturers are out there. So if you don't really like the way Shimano's feel and guides work, but then they break. And they, but you know, they feel good when they work, but fuck, you can't have unreliable brakes. So what does that leave you? Formula's out of business. Magura's all suck dick. Wait, really? Uh, I didn't know formula was gone. Formula's out of business. Yeah. That happened recently. And all the Magura's I've ever felt are terrible, but I think the new version, like the way the actual lever actuates, it doesn't just have that dead slop. Like basically the old ones, if I'm not mistaken, they take half of a q-tip and they hot glue it onto the lever and that half of the q-tip with the little like soft end that's what engages the master cylinder (laughs) so but i think that might be gone on the new ones what are the brakes are there uh haze i haven't written any of the new haze stuff so like i just bbc website doesn't have very many pictures on it It oh paul clampers (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no that's a real break Paul Clamper I believe you but it's just funny when you get to thinking about it you don't have a ton of choices in brakes I guess you don't have a ton of choice in suspension either but or shifting yeah, yeah. oh man bike yoke makes a new pulley for your SRAM derailleur it's like an do? aluminum replacement for the plastic one that comes in your 1x11 or 1x12 derailleur. That sounds like a solution to a problem that does not exist. It's like, hey, here's your shit that worked great before and was pretty quiet, and now it's fucking loud and it rattles. So and it's expensive. Uh, this, uh, on the website, it says that when you're riding in wet and muddy conditions, they found out that SRAM rear derailleurs lack shifting accuracy. Because the original pulley rotates with its plastic body on a steel axle. All right, so moving on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did have a derailleur pulley question I wanted to run by you guys. All right. My Rival 1 derailleur is very noisy. Okay. And I can align the hanger. Is that, a, is that a Horizon type derailleur or is that like one of the goofy, weird ass, like 
half breed derailleurs. That's an old school one. I don't know what you mean by old school. So like a GX derailleur these days, you can get it in old school, like 45 degree traditional. Nope. nope. It's, it's horizon type. It's like, okay. uh, it's like the, it you looks know, like a mountain derailleur. Kind of, but it has like a road cool. cable path. I just can't um, keep up with all the damn models these days. It's ridiculous. Nope. This is like a proper one by setup for the, Sweet. for the road bike. Um, just slightly shorter cage maybe than a mountain. That's about uh, it. No, oh. I mean it still has a ten forty two capacity, so or a thirty one tooth capacity, I guess thirty two tooth capacity. So, um, but everything can be just like straight, and I can turn the barrel adjuster, and like I can get it. It doesn't matter where I am because you know SRAM's pretty lenient on like where it shifts. Like you can have like a good bit of tension <clears throat> in or out, and it's still going to shift decent. And it doesn't matter where it is inside of there. It's always super noisy. And I think it's those stupid narrow wide pulleys. Do you have the chain like <laughs> routed through the trailer correctly? Of course. I mean, it won't even go through the other way. <laughs> I don't know. I've definitely pedaled bikes before that customers have brought in that have probably ridden like a thousand miles on it. And the uh, chain goes over that little like aluminum hump. No, I'm not doing that. Come on, Kenny. <laughs> Come on. I don't have it over the nub. You know, you, he's going to go look now. No, it's, <laughs> it's going to be it's over the nub and you're going to be like, God damn it. It's not over the nub. I know what that sounds like. <laughs> Jesus, gosh. Guys, cut me some How old fucking is your cassette? Yeah, it doesn't matter what cassette I'm running. Okay. And the cassette's new when I move to uh here are you running like a a pc1 bmx chain no i'm running like a x1 chain Hmm. i don't know maybe you should just wear headphones so what uh what brand cassette like what kind of cassette is it it's a hundred percent shram product so shram uh x-sync one by 44 tooth chain ring SRAM Rival 1 rear derailleur, an X1 chain, and a PG-1170-1136 cassette. Hmm. Have you uh, kind, played with kind the B-Tension? Uh, DT Swiss. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is. It seems to me like even the traditional SRAM cassettes, like the regular steel ones that aren't like XD driver, they seem to be a little bit loud to me. Yeah, but you can put your finger on the derailleur cage and like feel it. Huh. Have you played it's with really the weird. beat tension? Oh, I've played with the tension. Okay. I don't that know. was a that was supposed to sound much more um like racy than it did. Like, oh I've played with the tension. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I don't know. I didn't know if you guys had seen that. Mm, not really. I've seen yeah, a lot maybe. of shitty I've seen a lot of shitty shifting with rival. Uh, but that's just because when you put them with those road shifters, they're terrible. And then also, um, they're usually on some cross bike with some kind of fucking ridiculous internal routing that like doesn't even have proper guides and it's like internal cable inside a frame. It's just cables rubbing on carbon, uh, and then it shifts shitty, but that's, no, like that's a cross the thing. Bike it, thing. It shifts really well. Um, my bike oh. does have a, it just makes noise. My bike does have a tiny bit of, um, Un, I guess you call it like unguided cable, but it's proper. Like it goes through the top tube and when it exits the top tube, the piece goes down the down tube or down the seat stay, like as one piece of housing all the way to the derailleur. I worked on a focus the other day and they gave like no shits for how that was run. It was just like, no way. I just, I just lied about where the shifting goes. I can't remember where the... Ah, I do know where it goes. It goes in the down tube, and then it comes out the down tube somewhere. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Worst it, your, your, your cable comes out of the down tube somewhere to get to the derailleur? That's... <laughs> you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google this while Kenny talks about, or Kenny talks about that focus. This is the customer that comes in the shop and is like, I need a derailleur hanger for a bicycle. <laughs> for a bicycle. 
bring up <laughs> wheels manufacturing and you're like, okay, just pick out the one that's on there. And they're like, fucking Christ, there's 300 of them. I'm like, yeah, there's 300 of them. <laughs> okay, I was right. It goes in the top tube. It exits the top tube and goes all the way down the seat stay as one piece okay. of housing. So it's like pretty nice, pretty clean. All right. <clears throat> yeah, that customer's awesome though. They're like, well, just get the one for the bike. And it's like, all right, here's the ones that fit a focus and they're still like 46. And they're like, but <laughs> they only make 40 different bikes. It's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Some year models don't even use the same hanger. Thanks, Taiwan. <laughs> I need a suspension pivot nut for a Trek. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's yep. a good we one. We had a... We had a bag of suspension parts at my previous shop that um, it was a bag just labeled Fisher Sugar Parts. Nice. And it was like just old bolts and shit that never fit anything that ever came in the shop. (laughs) We still see some sugars from time to time. I get actually a little excited when I see them. They're pretty cool. I think there's one in my shop now. At any given time, there's at least one sugar in our shop. It's not broken. Um, they usually work. They've got like old, they always have old XTR on them, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Old XTR, like the eight and nine speed XTR works so well. It's pretty hard to kill that stuff. Like I never see, I've never seen a worn out eight speed XTR shifter. Like I've seen worn out shifters, like of, of like even nine speed stuff, you know, like the cheap stuff is worn out, but like eight speed XTR is just still kicking. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the Galapagos turtle of shifters. You know that dual control lever thing or whatever that is? Like the oh God. you like have to push down the brake lever. What the fuck's yeah. that called? Yeah, it was dual control. Dual control. Yeah, dual. God, they're so bad. Usually paired with rapid rise. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so it extra brain fucks you when you're trying to adjust it. Oh god. The, f- the first mountain bike that I rode was dual control. Like We're it lucky was a, that you kept going. It was a size nineteen specialized stump jumper with a Fox Fork, 26-inch wheels, V-brakes, tubes, dual control. Well, you're lucky nine. it actually had a, that it that it had a, fuck, what was that? a fork on it, like a suspension fork. No, it was like from the late 90s, early <laughs> 2000s. Isn't that I don't the know. time you were born? No, I was born in the late 80s, early 90s. <laughs> It's like a decade apart. Well, what's Kenny? Or we've heard from Kenny. We've heard from Matt. What's Andrea got going on? Because we don't have any questions either. So yeah, um, I rode in the Breck sixty eight yesterday. <sighs> I raced it. Yeah, I rode in it. Yeah, um, I this at this race I decided there was not a women's single speed category listed for the Breck 68 so I entered women's open and rode my single speed um it rained um uh, it rained a lot and it was pretty cold so like on the way there it rained the whole way from Salida to Breckenridge and going over like the mountain pass you go through just before you drop down into Breckenridge um which was about the height of the like high points of the race of the Breck 68 race, the temperature was 42 degrees. And then the temperature down in Breckenridge was like 50 ish. So I dressed for like mid forties and rain and it was just rain. It wasn't like misty. It wasn't sprinkling. It wasn't on and off. It was just fucking raining. And so I wore waterproof socks, um, Rain pants, like my normal cycling kit, like summer kit, just shorts and a jersey because um, rain stuff, like waterproof stuff, is super hot. Like I was 100% and maybe even like on a couple of the times on the climbs, I was like a little bit warm and I would unzip the rain jacket. Like I I most of the time uh, had the rain jacket unzipped and like pulled apart under my pack because I also had the pack to put that shit in when I didn't want to wear it anymore, which happened like, I don't know, two hour, two and a half hours probably into the race. But up until then I was comfortable 
other than my hands going numb, which I have terrible circulation in my hands. So if I get the least bit cold, they just like lose circulation. But anyway, um, did break 68 and I finished second. I was 14 minutes behind the woman who won. Um, <laughs> I had one really unfortunate wreck, which Matt agreed I should say on the show because it's so embarrassingly terrible that it's uh, good radio. I was going down this uh, one of the last like it was like the second to last big descent down the gold dust trail in Breckenridge. If you're familiar with the area, it's a really cool trail. And I'm going down this descent, and it's got a couple of sketchy bridges on it. Um, I am approaching this one bridge at a high rate of speed and realize that the bridge is, and I'm just going to say not to exaggerate, because I want to say it's like at a 45-degree angle, but I know it wasn't that much, maybe about 20 to 30 degrees off camber. And I'm I'm approaching it at probably 20-something miles an hour. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, shit. Because it's been raining and it's just slick as fuck. And I was probably still touching the brakes when I hit the bridge, even though I was like trying to make myself let go of the brakes as I hit the bridge. Whatever it was, my bike just shot out from under me, like 100%. Both wheels hit the bridge and it just teleported off into the bushes. And I landed on the bridge and I didn't, I didn't hit my tailbone. I like slapped my asshole on the bridge <laughs> and it, it hurt so bad. I had to sit there and like, try not to cry for a minute. <laughs> so you got your asshole stuck on a bridge? <laughs> it just, it was so terrible. Did and you leave I, like a skid mark? No, I literally sat there thinking, if this is as bad as it feels right now, it's going to be one of those terrible, embarrassing hospital stories that people that like nurses talk about on Reddit anonymously. Like, yeah. Oh my God. I had to stitch this person's asshole back together after they <laughs> fell down. During yeah, a she, bike said race. she claimed, she claimed that she <laughs> fell on her mountain bike. Exactly. We, we hear that one a lot. <laughs> like, come on. Where's like, what what do you have stuck in like you know there's all those you can just google image search weird things stuck in buttholes and like, yeah people have like light bulbs and shit in there no no it's we like, can't no <laughs> i'll bet you if you google I, i'm this is i'm i'm doing it right now let's see uh uh let's see here we go <laughs> uh rectum foreign objects <laughs> X-ray. Here we go. It's being typed in right now. It's probably going to be a light bulb. It's going to be like the first one. Let's see. Images. Oh, God. Uh, it's usually like kids' toys and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's some. Now, granted, this is the internet, so a lot of these could just be... Uh, just fake. Photoshop, but yeah, there's like... Yep, there's a beer yeah, bottle. Nothing, I don't... I mean, nothing went in. Oh, there's the light bulb. There. Yep. It was just like... I just hit so hard on the bridge. And that was like the the first point of impact. <laughs> and I I was like, well, I have to at least just get it back on my bike and like keep going downhill. And there's a place where I can turn off course and I know I can go to like the aid station on like Forest Road if it doesn't feel better by then. So I just got back and like just started descending slowly, which didn't work very well because there were lots of like wet roots and stuff. So once you start trying to go slow on wet roots, you just try to like fall down more. And so I had to just like, <laughs> I had to just shake it off and just keep going. <laughs> and luckily there have been no ill effects since then. Uh, but that was, that was probably the low point of my race. If I yeah, had to pick that's... one. <laughs> <laughs> it was the high point of the bridges day. <laughs> yeah, probably. I can't have been the only person that busted my ass on that bridge. Like it was just, it was so slippery and it was in such a, in a spot that where you were going so fast that I, I know other people had to have busted their ass, maybe not their asshole, but their asses. <laughs> 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 my bike was literally like six feet away from where I landed. Like it shot out from under me so fast and just so violently that it just 
It didn't even touch the ground. It just went straight off of the bridge into the bushes. But that's that's how my Breck Epic went. Uh, but I did get second overall in the pro women's category, which was um, pretty fucking cool. Um, I was signed up for Steamboat Stinger, but I don't think I'm going to make it there because I'm honestly just a little uh, burnt on racing right now. And I want to save like my my last race of the season for Vapor Trail so I don't go, like, go and do Steamboat Stinger and be like, fuck it, I don't want to do Vapor Trail. So I'm just going to rest up and... Uh, and go do, um, and well, stay and do uh, Vapor Trail, which hopefully we get Tom Purvis on Mountain Bike Radio at some point to talk about Vapor Trail and how awesome it is. We will. Uh-huh. So, have you put enough time in on the Firebird, right? Switchblade. Switch yeah. So, you. Hold on. You, you didn't guys... let me finish my question. Oh, okay. To race it in Vapor. No. It's pretty I mean, light, right? I could race the the switchblade in Vapor Trail, um, though it is a thirty pound bike. Um, even as awesomely as it's built and as light as the parts are on there, um, it's a burly frame with the burly fork and burly parts that are made for withstanding, you know, burly riding. Yeah, exactly. So. <clears throat> It's an awesome bike and I really enjoy riding it. And I did, you know, last on the last episode, I talked about um, I was going to change out the headset cup um, from the 17 millimeter stack height one to the like the flush one, um, which is like the original intention really that Pivot had for that frame was if you're doing 29, um, run the flush lower headset cup um, to make it a little bit less slack and to lower the bottom bracket a little. And, and that was, that's really like, if you're going to get one of those bikes, that's how I would recommend running it with 29 inch wheels, because it really, um, as far as like handling, it's pretty close to the four two nine. Like it doesn't feel, um, it doesn't feel slow handling, even though it's a, a slacker bike. Um, you know, when you're climbing, the only time I've hit a pedal on the ground was I was being kind of, um, I don't know. I saw like a steep rocky thing that I otherwise would have just walked like, but I was just kind of like, fuck it. I'm going to try to ride this and just pedaled really hard and hit a pedal on the ground and stalled out. So that was kind of my fault. Like if I'd tried to do it with any bit of like skill or finesse, um, I would have been better off. But, you know, as far as, handling like a big bike um when you're trying to like climb and ride like normal stuff it does really really well it's just you know it's it's on the heavier side it's just you know it's got big uh large tread tires on it it's got the minion dhf and dhr combo which is awesome for traction um but has you know it's got more rolling resistance so you know it's it's made to do burly stuff and it's not really made with racing something like vapor trail in mind it's made for something like you know if there's an enduro here in october and if i've still got the bike then i might race that um you know it's made more for stuff like that if i would recommend the switchblade if you want a bike you can ride every day on everything but you're like hey i might go race an enduro or i really like to go downhill hard and i keep breaking my crest rims um you know i i need something that's a little bit you know, just burlier. And that's, that's the bike for you. Like that is a good bike for that. Um, <clears throat> oh yeah. Speaking of breaking crest rims. Um, so anyway, I, I love the switchblade so far. Uh, I'm going to use it for more, you know, I'm going to take some of the stress off the 429, um, with that bike. But, uh, one thing I forgot to talk about with my Breck Epic report, because I was too busy talking about my butthole was, uh, <laughs> my stands, Neo Ultimate Hub, the entire race was making noises like it was about to explode. And I haven't had the chance yet today to take it apart and see what was making noise. Uh oh. But it would just occasionally, like, it would occasionally pop. And I couldn't really, like, make it pop. Like, I couldn't, you know, I would try to, like, 
soft pedal and then pedal harder. It would just kind of happen at random times. So it would pop and then pretty reliably, I could pedal it around like 120 watts, like 100 to 120. So pretty low power if you're not familiar with power meters and stuff, but like kind of soft pedaling. If I was doing that, like high cadence, uh, lower watts, it would make this weird creaking, like squeaky, creaky kind of noise that I have no fucking clue what it is. Like, I haven't taken it apart yet. I don't know if there's like a pall floating around inside the hub. I have a clue what it is. What? <laughs> uh, the hub body is cracked. Oh, well, I'll have to look. Like, I just got to wash it off this morning and I haven't really like looked at it. Um, but you know, it's just, you know, it just, it, it sucks. I don't like, like, I didn't like it before because I'm used to I-9s and like how quickly they engage. And now I don't like it because I feel like it's going to break when I don't want it to break. Yeah. I don't know what stance has gone and done. Like they had a pretty good thing going and then they actually went backwards. And I don't really understand how or why that has happened. It's pretty crazy. If you just look at the hub. It like the material, the aluminum just looks different. Ooh. Same thing with the hoop. Like the actual aluminum hoop looks different. I have a question. Sure. Do you think it's possible that Stan's just dumb luck stumbled upon something great and didn't fuck with it for like 10 years or honestly like six years? And then they were like, oh, sh- shit, we got to fix this and they felt make- pressure to change things so they did well but also i guess what i was meaning is like when the 330 hub came out it was being measured up against like a nine speed xt hub or a chris king hub right like those were your two options like you could spend the money on a chris king or you could get like an open ball hub and like honestly both are fucking heavy and the chris king one was just really expensive and then they were like no, no, it's just a hub. You can change the end caps. It's fine. And you're like, oh my God. And it was like so good, kind of like happenstance. And now everyone's making what, let's call it like cheap, simple hub, right? And then they tried to do fancy and maybe they just don't have the technolo- like the technological prowess to do fancy. Yeah, I don't really know where they went wrong, but their stuff is definitely not even as good as it was before. It is without a doubt worse. Yeah, I don't, I mean, my rims have been okay. Um, I mean, I haven't looked to see how true my wheel is after yesterday, but, but, you know, nothing wheel wise has broken yet. I'll, I'll definitely, after we finish recording, I'm going to, I'm going to like take a close look at my rear hub and see if anything looks broken. I mean, I can still, I can pull the free hub off and see what's inside of it. I just like, I don't know, this, this morning I didn't feel like fucking with it because it was still really muddy. And then I washed it off and then I didn't feel like fucking with it because it was all like cold and wet. Which hoops so, do you have? They're crests. Oh, Mark three. Yeah. Okay. I thought you maybe were on arches. No. And the, the bike has relatively low miles just because it's, it's the one I race on. But it's also like the one that outside of racing I ride the least. So the mileage on it is relatively low. Like I can, um, I can look on Strava really quick because it has it does a really good job of keeping up with mileage on your bikes as long as you like change that stuff around when you're uploading files. Um, so I wouldn't expect to be killing a rim like this soon unless I just really like had an incident that killed the rim. Let's see. Oh, God, don't uh, make me talk. I'm finishing my almonds. <laughs> I don't know how to look at my... How do I use the internet? I don't know. <laughs> Andrea, <laughs> is this an email? <laughs> yeah, one time my mom emailed me and said, Andrea, are people able to see what we're talking about right now in an email? That's how I feel right now because I can't find out how to look at what bikes I have on here. All right. What was that new thing you said we'll probably hate that you saw? Uh, 
Pinarello. Oh, it's it's kind of like we'd hate it, but also maybe like it because it's got some cool technology. Pinarello's uh, got a dogma um, featuring EDSS 2.0 suspension. So it's a road bike with a little like soft tail on it. But the soft tail is actuated by um, by sensors in the frame. What the fuck? Yeah. Also, on that note, I have no idea how to see your fucking gear on Strava. I don't know either. Like I've seen it. I've seen it before. Oh wait, there we go. So go my belt, my belt single speed has three hundred and eighty point nine miles on it. All right, so I want to talk about the Pinarello real quick. Okay. I think it's clearly obvious that suspension of some sort is coming to drop bar bicycles. They're just trying to figure out how. I think, though, the problem is, is they don't even know where to put it yet. Like, so if you look at someone like Fox, of course, they're going to push a 32 mil stanchion suspension fork which i flat out think is wrong um i'm gonna say it now i'll put my hat in the in the ring whatever you'd call it i'll put my uh, i'll make my guess is for a suspension fork to work on a cross bike or gravel bike or whatever you want to call it um you're gonna need a much closer leg spacing right so the crown would be narrower and then you would have limited fork travel. So the bottom portion of the fork leg would be like an extended version of step cast right now. And then all your brake and everything would be housed in there. And that's going to give crown clearance for down tube and crown interface. <coughs> Pardon me. And it's also going to give you um, a narrower stance of the fork, which is going to be less weight. And they're going to get away from the 32 mil chassis because you don't need that stiffness in the off-road application. Uh, so that's kind of one thing. Um, so it's got to be a little bit more shaped like a road fork now. Stepcast 25. Or Stepcast 28 or something like that. Um, it just needs to be slimmed in. Right. You know, you, you're not going to, the fork can't work if, if the legs are at an angle. So you need to, you know, scooch the crown in at the expense of, well, you don't need the fork lower to have as much potential insertion depth, right? Because you're only going to have 30 or 40 millimeters of travel. So the bottom portion of the fork leg could be like that step cast stuff now where it's just like a little blade. You would just extend that up well past the entire rotor and braking surface and everything. And the, the brake would, and everything would look much more road ish. You're correct, Andrea. Um, and I'm just going to throw out a number right now is the, you know, the fork leg inside spacing is, I don't know, let's say, uh, 90 because, you know, you got like a hundred mil wheel and there's a little bit of lip on either side. I think it'd have to come down to like 70 or 75. Um, Specialized wants to put it between the frame and the handlebar, which doesn't really, you know, cut the chatter out of the bicycle itself. It just I cuts rode, it out of the hand. Yeah, I, I rode. Um, well, yeah, that doesn't do anything for the handling of the bicycle. So that's like one of the nice things about a suspension fork is like because it moves when you hit bumps, it also like it keeps your bike, your whole bike from and your front wheel from deflecting off of those bumps. Whereas if you have that suspension, like where, you know, the diverge has it, um, as that the rider, not the bike. Yeah. Yeah. So like your bike is still going to deflect. You're just not going to feel it as much. So your handling is still being affected by the bumps that you hit. But, you know, then there's the argument of like, well, if you're going to hit big bumps, then ride a mountain bike. Which is kind of what I say. Like, if you're riding stuff where you need a suspension fork, ride a bike that's got a real fucking suspension fork on it. And my my last little bit is, uh, we look and see these soft tails, and then special or niner teases some like tiny CYA drop bar aluminum prototype bike with some bike rumor factory tour that they did, um, and. You know, you look at that stuff and 
you know, it just really makes me wonder, um, one, how much of this can you really commit to SAG, which to go back to what Andrew is talking about, um, I think a big portion of what helps a suspended mountain bike function so well is that, uh, and Kenny might know the correct term, what would you call it? Like that extending suspension motion? Well, it just keeps the tire actually, instead of just um, cutting the chatter, since you have sag on the fork, the, you know, when you go down into the trough of a bump, your tire actually follows that and keeps you in contact with the ground. Yep, exactly. And, and, you know, that's most like you see that most in like Baja racing where like the truck's floating along and the wheels just like in and out of these holes. And even though it's just a tiny bit, um, if you can not drop, even let's say on a hundred mil fork, you'd only have an inch of sag. If you can keep the wheel on the ground, like if you're moving at a high rate of speed and you go through a little dip and the wheel extends an inch, even that's an inch more of traction, you know, an inch longer the tire was on the ground not forward and backwards longer but like up and down like an inch sooner the tire was back on the ground that's an inch sooner that you had traction or an inch longer on the way down into a big hole so yeah i think that's a a big part of it and unfortunately and i hope that i'm proven wrong but i don't think we're close to having an efficient three inch travel gravel bike uh, because I think you need to get to that like 80, 90, you know, 80, let's say 70, 80 millimeters of travel. Cause three inches is like what? 77 millimeters. So you would need like 70, 80 millimeters of travel to start to get some of that like real sag. So you get that dynamic wheel movement in and out of holes. Would dynamic be the right word there? Um, yeah, sure. sure. Um, just denotes movement. Uh, where you get some of that like uh, uh, extending travel. I think that's what we need. To, that's what I want to call it. Like, you need like that much travel so you can have some sag. So you have some extending travel. Yeah, so the, the wheel is basically trying to follow the ground. You got it. Yep. And yeah. uh, that's where I'm at with all this stuff. I don't say this and say that the Pinarellos, I don't want to be interpreted as saying the Pinarello is stupid, this and that. I promise that's not what I mean. I just mean, I think we're, we're, if you go back to like 1995 and look at mountain bike suspension, I think that's where we are with road bikes right now. There's people just jamming shit in places going, God, this kind of helps. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see where we are 10 years from now or even five years from now. There'll probably be some kind of like a Lauf road bike fork. Do you guys remember the soft ride suspension stem? I remember the soft ride bikes that had the gigantic carbon boner. I think it's made by soft ride shit. Hold on. I think it's soft ride. I think ride. that was also called soft ride. The yeah. Stem. Oh, God. There it is. Yep. Oh, my God. I want to buy one of these. They're going for a ton on eBay. They're so that's, cool. That's basically what the Diverge is. I mean, it's not in the stem, but it's right under the stem. The stem sits on top of... It's a, it's a head shock. So well, it's not even a head shock because it doesn't let, like Matt said, his point was it doesn't let the, the wheel move. It's just the handlebars moving, like the handlebars bounce. And I've ridden one around. Like I, we have a fleet of them at our shop. Um, like a, we have several demo bikes and uh, like a size run basically for sale. And I don't know. I mean, it's it's all right. It's a little weird, but it's. It's one of those things that I think that you would get used to the same way as if you went from like SRAM to Shimano shifting. Like you might notice it for a ride or two, but you would eventually just kind of like not notice it until you got on a bike that didn't have that. And then you were like, shit, there's bumps. I feel them. And I'll say this. I've ridden the Diverge. No, it's the Roubaix because the Diverge didn't exist when I rode it. Right, um, right. The new Diverge with it didn't exist, but I've ridden that Roubaix and out of the saddle, just murder hammering on the bike and it doesn't move. Like not in a way that like you perceive it your hands. Now, as soon as you pedal like a buffoon, of course you'll feel it. But if you're just like smoothly pedaling, 
even out of the saddle going bananas, you, you're really just holding the bars. You're not like leaning in and out and in and out of them. You just kind of grab Holt and take off. Um, so. Yeah, like your hands are there. Like when you're pedaling, when you're standing and pedaling, your hands are just like counterbalancing the movement of the bike, basically your body and the bike. So it's more of a, I think, um, and it's not going to be 100%, but I think it is biased more towards a lateral motion than a vertical motion. Word. And I will say, uh, Guitar Tad from Riding Gravel, he reviewed the shock stop suspension stem from Redshift Sports and gave a raving review. Um, I'll post a link to that in the in the show notes. So for what it's worth, he liked it, and he's pretty good. So he does ride a lot of gravel. He knows a lot too. Like he he's really good. Like he's smart about bikes. He's not just like the guy that you could change his suspension around. He'd be like, hey. I do think the best comment on the Cinerello bike on Bike Rumor is the last one that says, can't wait to see the Cinerello attempt at copying this. Damn. Well, that's pretty good. Um, well, that's it. That's all that I got. So with that, you want to call it a show? Yeah, we can call it a show. All right. Thanks, everyone, for coming by, listening to another episode of Just Running Along. And until next time, take care, be safe. And remember, this show is brought to you by Moist Armpits. Moist. Thank you for listening. And just a reminder to go over to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR if you want to support the show. And make sure that all of this keeps rolling. So thank you and have a good day.